Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Roha Narkini, joined today by not one, not two, but three Sports Illustrated senior writers, uh, Chris Mannix, Howard Beck, and the New York Times best-selling author of the book, Blood in the Garden. Chris Herring are all on the show today. Uh, we recorded one podcast already that you guys can find on the crossover feed, and that one we're talking about Kevin Durant to the Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, a bunch of topics uh, on this pod. We're going to get into way more of the ripple effects from the trade deadline. Guys, let's jump right into it. We'll start with the Los Angeles Lakers, who, after disappointing LeBron James by not acquiring Kyrie Irving, went out and acquired D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mo Bamba in a series of trades, sending out Russell Westbrook, one protected first-round pick, as well as Patrick Beverly. Mannix, I'll start with you. What did you think of the Lakers wheeling and dealing? That was a great deadline for the Lakers. Mm. Uh, Rob Palenka has taken a lot of hits the last few years, many of them, if not all of them, completely justified. But I thought the Lakers had a B-plus, A-minus last week or so if you throw the Hashimura deal uh, into the mix. They, they are finally building a team around LeBron James the way they should. They're doing with shooting. I mean, Miami put a bunch of shooters around LeBron. Cleveland, 2.0, put a bunch of shooters around LeBron. Now, with this version of the Lakers, you've got Beasley who can shoot, Russell who can shoot, Hashimura who could shoot from certain spots on the floor. Um, you extract Westbrook from that situation, which if you are following the leaking that's going on outside the Lakers. You can tell that may they may feel that is addition by subtraction. So I thought Palenka did extremely well. Uh, mm. B plus, A minus, in my opinion. Beck? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I'm not sure if I would go all the way to A minus. I think it's somewhere in, in more like the B to B plus, but we're just starting to quibble with details at that point. Um, the problem with the Lakers, among the problems, was that they had LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and at any given time, three starters who not only couldn't shoot or defend, but weren't actual NBA starters on any other team in the NBA that had any hopes of doing anything at all in the playoffs. They had too many non-starters in their entire rotation. What they now have in D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, 
Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, obviously from a previous deal, and even Mobamba, they have viable rotation players and viable starters. Like D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley are, are legit starters. They have a real backcourt now. Um, so they've upgraded. They've got they acquired four guys who easily displace without any loss whatsoever. The four guys, whichever four you want to take out of the rotation, they're either ones that were traded, ones that are still around. In every case, it's an upgrade. Now, is it enough to become contenders? Maybe not. Um, but I've said from the beginning, so I'll stay consistent with this. I don't think the point of the exercise of saying trade the future picks, do this, do that. It can't be contender or bust, championship or bust, because that's a really high bar. And there was no one trade out there since the beginning of this season or going to last summer that was going to, to magically transform them into championship contenders. But you have to at least give yourselves a chance, not waste another year of LeBron's career, as I wrote about back in December. And look, I, I, I got to say, as somebody who was clearly very critical of the front office and the way that they were letting this season just kind of flounder and letting Le- LeBron James's best efforts go to waste, you know, we, we talked on the, on the crossover pod about there is no, you know, you can't be guaranteed of tomorrow in this league and windows close quickly and all that. You can't be guaranteed that LeBron James at age 38 is not going to finally start to erode in year 21 at age 39. Like we don't know how many more years of this you've got. So this roster as it stands today versus as it stood yesterday or two weeks ago, they've given him and Anthony Davis a much better chance of making noise in the playoffs. I I, I like what they did. Um, And I've been as critical of that front office as anyone. Herring, look, I'm I'm in the same boat from the standpoint of I don't think it quite puts them in a range where they're contenders. Uh, I don't know that there was a clear cut trade that could have done that. I'll hold out the small possibility that they might have done enough to do that. Just from the standpoint of so many of us, I think rightfully so, most of the time, with the exception of a few moments, we're realizing and thinking and and kind of imploring the Lakers to move Russ because he you could just add by subtracting taking russ out of the mix alone might have made them better so not only doing that but doing that and getting guys that can shoot getting guys that play with the real motor like vanderbilt on on the rebounding edge um even someone like bamba who is not a great player but someone that has a skill um you know a perimeter shooting skill kind of approximates a little bit of maybe what they could have gotten from miles turner um those things on top of the fact that you're hoping that just not having Westbrook there might be enough to put them over the top if LeBron and AD are at the top of their games and playing healthy. Uh, so do I expect much from them? Not a ton, but now I actually think there's reason to expect that they'll make the playoffs. And if they do that, you're still going to bet on LeBron and AD if they're healthy enough to to really finish off that that process. So it it makes them intriguing enough. It gives you reason to talk about them without having to add in the caveat of, man, I'm really tired of talking about Russ. Uh, this is long overdue. And in, in the same way that we were talking about the Suns deal for Durant, uh, this was long overdue. They could have done a lot of this a lot sooner. Rob Palinka deserves credit for making this move, but all of this stuff theoretically could have and probably should have been done sooner so that we wouldn't be talking about them as trying to get into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. They could have been a higher seed. I'll tell you what, yeah. Rowan. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, if you if both teams go into the playoffs healthy, Phoenix and and the Lakers, I if you give me a team to oh, bet on, I take it. the Lakers. Don't say it. I would. I take it. the Lakers. Oh my god. I take the Lakers. Look, if LeBron and AD are healthy, 
they're great. And I think they've added enough around these guys that the rotation now starts to make sense. I mean, D'Angelo Russell in January shot 40% from three. This month, he's at 43%. His confidence <sighs> started to peak a little bit. Um, I think that guys like Malik Beasley and uh, Jared Vanderbilt are going to play better with LeBron and AD. I do. I, I think they're a better, more, a better and more complete team right now than the Suns are. And LeBron in the playoffs, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, if he's got guys that can play around him, I'm not going to bet against him. Okay, I I don't want to overreact to this trade, even though you're really making me, you're making it hard for me not to, Mannix, when you say <laughs> something like they're, you'd pick them over the Lakers. I thought this this deal raised the floor for the Lakers, undeniably, getting just Russell Westbrook, getting him off the team, it's addition by subtraction. I, the, to me, the most impressive part of all of this is that they only gave up one protected first-round pick. It sets them up to have an epic tank job in 26-27 if they have no stars left on the team. Uh, because that pick turns into a second rounder if it lands in the top four. But here's some other numbers about D'Angelo Russell, okay? The Wolves are better with him off off, off the floor than on the court, okay? Uh, he's in the 29th percentile in terms of on-off court differential. The Wolves were a minus in the Anthony Edwards-D'Angelo Russell minutes. Anthony Edwards played better when he wasn't playing on the floor with D'Angelo Russell. I think that says a lot about his actual impact on winning. I get that the Lakers needed shooting. I for me they they still desperately need help on the wing. I would have maybe liked what they did at the deadline if they moved another pick, maybe for a Boyan Bogdanovich, someone like that. Who's guarding Kawhi Leonard in a playoff series? Who's guarding Luka Doncic in a playoff series? Are you okay? But that's throwing... the same thing as the Suns. Same thing. At least Who's they have Tory Craig. At least that's that's a how many times? How many times is Phoenix traded? How than... many times has Phoenix traded Tory Craig? Like three? Like I mean, <laughs> he's been like all right, and, he, like... and he'd still be and he'd still be the best perimeter defender on the Lakers. That's how bleak Ooh. it is for the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, you talk about Rihachimura. Oh. The Reed can score 12 points, and that's about it. He's not getting respected. His three point shot, Jared Vanderbilt, his three point spots. Shots not getting respected. You can't really play Vanderbilt with LeBron and AD. They've tried Hachimura with LeBron and AD. It hasn't been particularly impressive. You look at that Boston game when the Celtics are guarding Anthony Davis with Malcolm Brogdon because they don't respect any of the Lakers' corner shooters and they can just triple team Anthony Davis in the paint. Yes, have they improved uh, their yes. shooting? That's good. But D'Angelo Russell was getting benched in the fourth quarters of the Wolves' last playoff series. Can he, I didn't fit, he didn't fit because of with- how bad he was defensively he didn't fit with anthony edwards i get though look he's not gonna is he worse than russell westbrook defensively i mean here's what i think about that i i i liked the lakers making the deal with the jazz i would have preferred that they take conley yes mike conley is a way better fit for them it's not close they need someone who can play off the ball who can space the floor any possession that ends in a D'Angelo Russell shot is a win for Lakers opponents because that means LeBron and AD are can, shooting. Okay? Can just quickly, He's shooting 40%. Can just quickly, let me just quickly point out that without getting into the details and without having even looked this up, my uh, just logic tells me the reason that they didn't do that is they had so many holes to fill and Russ's contract... Conley's contract is huge. So if you if you get Conley, you're probably not getting the other pieces. They got three rotation pieces instead of one, essentially. Or maybe they would have gotten two. But I, I think, think it's similar s- contracts. I think they're because Russell had a max contract too. Yeah. Right. But if you're sending out Russ's at 47 and you're getting back Vanderbilt and uh Beasley and D'Angelo Russell, 
um, that that indicates that that you would have had a harder time having that many starting or rotation level players coming back had you gotten Conley, who has a massive contract. I, I so I think that's I think that has something to do with this. Might be bigger. I think Russell D'Angelo yeah, Russell might have a bigger. contract. I, I think Russell may have a bigger contract than. Yeah. Be, uh, I, just, think, I think this happened because, in fact, from what I'm told, it happened is because the Timberwolves really, really, really wanted Mike Conley. Like they were not yeah. going to do this deal unless they got Mike Conley. Well, people if that's make, the case, then you don't. Then it's really not an option. And, and again, yeah. it's a moot point. Yeah, but uh, to that point, people are making fun of the Timberwolves for this trade. They got a better fit at point guard. I, oh, I, sure. I think that the Wolves uh, upgraded their roster in the short term. I'm going to be surprised, frankly, if the Lakers bring back D'Angelo Russell. I, I think that this move was made with an eye toward the summer when they can create max cap space. If they don't pick up Malik Beasley's option, if they renounce Rui Hachimura's rights, if they let Russell walk, uh, that gives them max cap space to maybe make another run at Kyrie Irving. I, there I just, we go. There it is. is make another is run. Just, that's a given. <laughs> I think I, I take that as a given. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so nonplussed about this trade and, and I was coming here and I wasn't going to kill the Lakers. And then Mannix just had to say he would pick them over the Suns. I'd like and now I'm, and now I'm you're, so you're making curious. arguments against the Lakers that you're not applying to the Suns. Like who you're like, who will guard Luca? Who will guard Kawhi and PG? Who's doing that in Phoenix? And you keep saying Dory <laughs> Craig. Like, I will okay. take, I will take Durant and Craig over any combination of two Lakers perimeter. Davon Reed, baby. Davon <laughs> Reed. Get minutes. Get minutes. There's a reason they gave up with Torrance Bryant. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Rowan, it's your show, but can we please talk about Westbrook? Like where he might go? Like, oh boy, like this uh, is this is a fascinating Ooh, question. Yes, no, it, it's a good one, and, and definitely what I wanted to get to next. We didn't talk about Russ much on the last pod. Obviously, he's. I don't think he'll step foot in Utah. I expect him to get bought out immediately. The Clippers have been rumored as a destination. Um, the Clippers did acquire Bones Highland, although I don't know how much utility he has for them in a playoff series. I don't understand the fascination with Westbrook. Uh, Mannix, you've mentioned this. The Heat have been linked to him in the past. He is just such a destructive force. I don't know that he makes sense for a contender, but I'll I'll leave it up to you guys. Is there any team that makes sense for Westbrook? I, I have been told, let me just say this first. I have been told that Miami's not interested. 
Like mm. Miami was interested back in what was it, two thousand couple years ago, nineteen yeah. when when he was on the block. Um, but but then they got Jimmy Butler and it didn't make any sense. They were one of the teams kicking the tires on Oklahoma City. But I was told by somebody pretty high up in Miami, it's like, well, look at our roster now. Like Jimmy and Russ don't make sense together. Like that's mm-hmm. that's two guys that don't shoot the three. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's not a guy I think they're looking to take a flyer on. Chicago, I think, is it. You know, Chicago has no reason to lose, nothing to lose, and Billy Donovan at least knows Russ uh, and at least knows what he's getting himself into in that situation. I mean, Clippers and Bulls, that's really the end of the list. And, like, I did this exercise earlier where I was thinking about, you know, because, look, whoever gets him now, after a buyout, pay him the minimum. It's a couple month rental. It works. It doesn't work. There's no real massive risk in that case, right? The Clippers have some risk because they need to win. But there's very little risk when you're signing a guy to a minimum deal after a buyout. But when you look at this summer and give Chris Mannix credit on this one, because Mannix, you and I were talking about this a year ago when we were talking about if Mannix, if uh, Westbrook was going to get traded at that point, is his career over? We're ve- getting very, very close to the is there anywhere left for Westbrook to land? Because let's say he he succeeds with the Clippers or Bulls and they keep him. Fine. Okay. Um, I don't know what they're paying him. Maybe, you know, some some kind of, you know, mid-level exception, whatever they've got available. But you go down the list, go through the, the NBA. I won't go through all the other 28 teams, but you go down the list. Everybody is either set at the position, rebuilding and has no use for a player at his age and, and um, demands uh, in terms of what he's going to want to do on, in your offense, um, or, or they, or they've already been there, done that with him. Like there is no, I've looked down the entire list. There's literally no logical landing place for Russell Westbrook this summer, uh, outside of the Clippers and Bulls, wherever he lands in the next few weeks. Yeah. I, um, I wrote right after I got to Sports Illustrated, I think it was my first, um, daily cover story that I did. I wrote something about at the time, uh, Blake Griffin, and kind of how, if you remember those last few weeks he had in Detroit, they actually just sat him out mm. and they were just going to wait until they could find a landing spot for him. They essentially couldn't because he was on a max deal, very similar to Russ. And I went through and was kind of picking out guys that statistically had a similar profile to that, where they were just so athletic and dunkers. And all of a sudden they went from dunking 22% of their made shots to all of a sudden like 2%, all within like a season. And Blake was one of those guys and Russell Westbrook was another. And so there were a lot of there was a lot of that writing on the wall. And that was before it had even really reached this point. But he'd been on different teams every year, going from one contending team to another, watching the trades that would happen and him being traded straight up for Chris Paul and then watching Chris Paul's team make the playoffs in Oklahoma City and watching Russell Westbrook just kind of uh, wither, you know, by the wayside. So. There are aspects of this that you could kind of see coming for a while. Um, Genuinely makes me feel a little bit bad for him. I think it's a sign of how quickly the league changes. It's a sign that the Lakers botched this and and trading for him the way they did in a big market with players like that. Um, I'm sure it feels kind of like to Russ, like what the hell just happened? Um, But I've seen a consistent theme here of the league Guys that can't shoot, guys that are really athletic. I think John Wall is another guy like this too, where the league just kind of becomes a not so happy place for them, um, and they're made out to be difficult. Maybe there were aspects of this that Russ did handle, where he was difficult. He fired his agent seemingly for telling him a lot of the same stuff that this was probably the likely way that this was going to play out. But 
I, I wish there were a softer landing spot for guys. Uh, it's not fun to watch superstars just kind of have nowhere to go uh, within a year and a half or two years uh, to just kind of be ushered out of the league this way. But I don't know where is a really good fit for him. To be honest with you, I don't think the Clippers are one either. Uh, you know, well, if, it, if Wall wasn't, why is Westbrook right? I really yeah. don't know why he would be. Like I, 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 I salute them for taking that chance. But I'm also watching, and you know, I, I try to follow at least a few prominent fans from each fan base just on Twitter to kind of get take a pulse on each team. I'm watching the Clippers and Bulls fans that I follow just say, God, please no. Like they don't <laughs> want this. And uh, you know, it, I, I don't know why that the Clippers would be a fit. They're a team that if there's one team sometimes that you look at and you're like, maybe they should try to play a little bit without a guy or just play with a guy that maybe isn't a ball dominant point guard. Uh, the Clippers have two all-star all NBA caliber forwards if they're healthy. So uh, I I'm not sure that there's a great fit for him, but again, I wish that he could kind of gracefully just be a backup somewhere for a team that's not trying to win all that aggressively but like you said, there aren't that many teams like that. There certainly aren't ones that need a starting point guard like that. So is, I don't really know what the answer is. Is Rohan the Heat fan that you follow? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No comment. Um, oh, God. I see the Boston media mafias, you know, up to its old tricks here, trying to sow confusion. Uh, we, will, we will deny your guys' yeah, yeah. awards. We will. Yeah, I'm sure I, I I'm We sure have a text chain vote. going right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We have a text yeah. chain going at the moment, the 11 of us out there. Yeah, yeah. And we will, I'm we sure will the, deny. when Derek White makes all NBA over Joel Embiid, we'll know the true strength of the BMM. Let's move on, actually, though, to another team in the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors, who made I, I, genuinely one of the funniest trades in recent NBA history, in my opinion. And this was such a this is when I hate the deadline at the most because the reporting on this is trickling out and it's so weird. First, it looks like they're trading James Wiseman for Sadiq Bay, and maybe they're getting a bunch of second round picks. It turns out the Warriors, the only move they end up making today, they trade James Wiseman Wiseman for Gary Payton the second, who is again obviously on the team last year. Um, I obviously we know GP two fits in very well here. He he hasn't been as good this season. Some injuries to start the year. Uh, Beck, let's go to you, our, our Bay Area correspondent. Does this move the needle for you in in any meaningful way for the Warriors? Uh, I, I wanted them to trade Wiseman. I'm surprised that the return was this. Uh, what'd you make of this deal? So there's a part of me that looks at this and just says, okay. Um, you ripped off the Band-Aid. You did the thing you had to do, right? Uh, you abandoned at least some piece of the two-timeline approach, right? That they were so, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, rapturous about. We're going to do it all. We're going to plan for now and the future. It was always a little unrealistic. It was fine when they won the championship last year. It was not so fine when they got off to the start that they did this year and realized, oh, no, our young guys aren't actually ready to contribute as rotation guys. So, you know, I'm glad that they came to grips with that. Um, I'm glad I, I like, you know, you guys know I did a feature on James Wiseman in the fall. Like I like him a lot. And I think that in, in a different place, he still has the potential for a promising NBA career. The tool set and the physical uh, tools, all of that is really there. He has to put it all together, but it was the wrong place. It was the wrong team for him to be doing that with. Is Detroit the right place? We'll see. Um, it's a it's a better place. It's a place with some patience that does not have to worry about championship contention. That doesn't play a peculiar style that might be harder for like a you know a, a dive big man to, to fit into. Like he'll be better off 
developing somewhere else. So that's good. The return is where you're laughing, Rohan. Like you're this is the one where you're like, I'm just like dying. Like, what is this? <laughs> they trade him for a guy that who was already on their roster who had, you know, they look, they lost him. I don't think they could have paid Gary Payton the second what the Blazers did. So it's not like they chose to let Payton leave. Um but getting a guy who was a really important rotation player for them when they won the championship, who was critical defensively also made like a bunch of big plays, even offensively dunks and, and all this. And, and the occasional open three, like bringing him back makes sense. Like the only thing that the part of this that makes you wince is the obvious James Weissman was the number two overall pick. Not that long ago in a draft where LaMelo ball went the next pick after him in a draft where Tyrese Halliburton was still on the board in a draft where there were, there were several others who could have helped. But when you make a mistake, you gotta, you gotta realize that it's the sunk cost, right? For the Warriors, Weissman was the sunk cost, and the market is what it is, right? Like, unless they were going to start playing Weissman, I don't know when, you're never building his value back up. If the best you could get for him was Sadiq Bey, who then becomes a bunch of second-round picks, which then becomes Gary Payton the second, they did the pragmatic thing, and that's often really hard to do because you made an investment in this guy, there's a sentimental attachment, there's the, ooh, optics about it. It, good for them that they did not worry about optics or anything else. They did what they had to do. They're a little bit better off today than they were yesterday. Um, this rotation badly needed veteran presence uh, and, and and guys who could defend and a, and a guy in Gary Payton who's familiar, obviously, with this group. So, um, you know, I'm not doing backflips over this, but I, I think they did, they made a good deal. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, it's interesting to me. Caruso is a player I would have loved for them to go after, which is going to kind of get us into our next topic here. Some of these teams who stood pat. And, and I'm with you, Beck. I do think Wiseman is someone who has potential on his next team, which is another reason why I'm kind of, just kind of surprised about this underwhelming return and whether or not it, it really is going to raise the Warriors ceiling all too much considering what else happened in the West. So with that, let's talk about. Well, they they saved. Yeah. I mean, they also saved like tens of millions of dollars. In yes. Future loans. Yeah, tax sure, terms, whatever. Which, I mean, I don't. Which, I don't which care by the way, right, but, saving money. No, no, but listen, if if those savings, I, we should have noted this, and, and I'm glad Maddox brought it up. Uh-huh. If those savings give them more wiggle room to re-sign Draymond if he opts out this summer, or to do make other moves that are going to uh-huh. cost them Wiseman type money plus tax. You're you're better off. So they, right. you know, there's multiple benefits. They they For also sure. look look Peyton. Say what you want about him, but he's someone that Steve Kerr knows he can rely on, and that's something that has been in short supply with yeah. the second unit. Um, that I mean, give a bunch of picks, uh, sold low on James Wiseman, but they're getting a guy back that they know can contribute to this team in the postseason. I mean, it's kind of fitting that James Wiseman is going to Detroit, the former number two pick. The Pistons got 96 games out of Darko Milicic. The Warriors <laughs> got 60 games out of James Wiseman. So does he officially pass Darko on that list? Of- he's, he's also joining uh, former number two overall pick Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley, Bagley. exactly. I know. I, know. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, I would, I, I'll just say, I, I actually agree with you, Beck. I think there's a lot of talent in James Wiseman. I think he was put in a very difficult situation, you know, trying to fit in as a number two pick on a contender, the injuries obviously derailed him. I think he's going to the perfect situation in Detroit where he's going to be part of a developmental team. He's going to get a chance to play a lot of minutes, presumably with the Pistons. It's, I don't know if he's going to make it because, you know, really you have to go back to like high school to see consistent minutes from 
James Wiseman, but uh, I think he's going to get that chance to, to play and shine and show out uh, in Detroit. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Let's talk about the two teams that were heavily rumored to be involved leading up to this trade deadline. One is the Toronto Raptors, seemingly Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, even to a degree, Pascal Siakam, all involved with trade rumors. Then you have the Chicago Bulls, who were maybe going to move Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, you heard some murmurs about. Caruso was someone every contender likely coveted. I'll just start with Toronto because we we were milking OG Ananobi rumors <laughs> for content for weeks. Everything was about every discussion was about not if OG Ananobi will get traded, but how many picks will it take to acquire him? He doesn't get moved. I, I don't understand this from Toronto's perspective. Ananobi and Siakam are both effective expirings next year. Their trade value goes down a lot. Van Vliet uh, is going to be a free agent this summer. Trent has a player option he'll likely opt out of. You know, they acquired Jakob Pertl. Is the plan to run it back with these guys and Pertl is their ceiling raiser because now they finally have a center? Uh, they're a few games under 500. They're in the last playing spot in the East. I mean, maybe they can go on a little bit of a run, but there's still four games under 500 at the moment. Did you guys think this was a prudent tra- trade deadline for the Raptors? I don't. Not really. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> Who I'll, make that unanimous. Yeah. I'll make that unanimous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, so I, I, I was texting with somebody earlier from another team and I said, what, you know, what's the deal? Why, you know, is, is it just, that they've been so stubborn in their deal making. And the explanation that I got from this other, uh, you know, official with another team was they, the Raptors think they can turn this thing around. Mm. I'm like, Oh, Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. But the next sentence was the players don't though. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a possible problematic disconnect for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's interesting that they're doubling down on who they've got given the season that they've had. The idea that, 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 uh, Jakob Pertl alone somehow stabilizes things. I don't, I don't see it. Uh, the benefit of the doubt I will give them is this, and it's like a 10% benefit of the doubt. 
this same basic team was pretty good last year. And I don't know what the heck happened chemistry-wise or whatever, the vibes. Maybe they were worn out by Nick Nurse. There have been some rumblings around the league about maybe that Nurse is not reaching them anymore. Um, that's a possibility. But whatever it is, it does feel like they lost something along the way here, and I just don't know how you get it back. Yeah. My my thing with it, uh, first of all, I mostly agree with all that. Uh, I wonder to some extent if – Maybe the Nick Nurse experiment, if, if you really call it an experiment, you won a championship with the obviously. If if some of that is coming to an end, if it is, he's too accomplished to make that change maybe in the middle of the season, I guess. But I would have expected if they're going to go for it, you're going to get more than Jakob Pertl was my thought. Uh, the one thing I looked at with that trade was thinking, okay, this is a team that is really leaned in heavily more heavily than any other team in basketball to the idea of having like a team of clones that everybody with the exception of Van Vliet basically is like from six, six to six, eight or six, nine. And you're just playing with a long group of forwards that are disruptive defensively. Yaka Pertle gives you a legitimate center. And so maybe it helps you pivot to playing a more traditional style at times. But again, I don't think he could be your only guy that you go out and get. If you're going to go for it, then go for it. This just felt like standing pat to me, and they just seem too far down in the standings. Their schedule is not particularly easy in the second half, so it's not like you have that to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they've got a slightly easier than average schedule, but it's not anything crazy. Uh, so that just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. We heard a whole lot of rumblings about them. And, uh, and Masai, to his credit, said – you know, I've got to own the fact that we were trying something really different and it didn't work uh, as far as the positional stuff that they were doing with just all the length. But again, if you're acknowledging that, why would you leave basically everything the same with the exception of a, a very nice player in Pirtle, a player that I'm sure several teams would have liked to have had. But well, they have just, to resign in the summer as well. He's an expiring too. deal. Yeah, that too. So he said, you know, he he made a comment too today that's saying something along the lines of like, we, we like the players we have. We want to, you know, find a way to bring them back. So it's just kind of like, if that's the goal, then sure, maybe you're feeling like you can get them on better value coming back. But if they're not good enough to win right now, something's missing. It's, something's disconnecting, whether it's the the players with the coach, the playing style that they're using with the guys they have, uh, or if they were missing, it felt like they were missing more than one piece. I think Pirtle was the lone piece that they needed to kind of jolt them back into contention, that's all. Yeah, and that's about to be a very expensive team Mm -hmm. next year if they bring all these guys back. Van Vliet already turned down a four-year, $114 million extension, as he should, because the market for him, I think, is going to be a lot more robust. And he's one of those guys that I'd be a little wary of committing four or five years to. He might be one of those guys where you're paying for past performance in a way because... He plays a lot of minutes in these games, and he's not a huge guy. Like I think there could be a downside to him as he gets past 30. He's still 28, 29 years old, so in his prime, but that might not be the greatest contract in the world in a couple of years. He could be yeah. Lowry. He could be yeah, Lowry, could be. but a younger version of Lowry where maybe he starts to age out a little bit faster, yeah, durable and, and, for a while, but not long enough. Yeah, and Gary Trent's, like, if he's opting out of $18 million, he, he clearly knows he's going to get a lot more on the open market. He's 24 years old, shoots the ball well, can defend. Like that guys like that are going to be in demand, you know, from teams uh this offseason. So you're talking about paying those guys, paying Pirtle, all for the right to bring back a team that is probably going to miss the playoffs this year. I don't mm. 
I don't really understand. I don't mind bringing back Ananobi if you didn't get what you wanted because I think this summer the market's going to be just as as robust for a guy with a year left in his contract. He'd also be acquiring his bird rights, so you'd have the chance mm-hmm. to to re-sign him as well. But the Van Vliet Trent stuff, you know, unless there was nothing substantial out there, not like first round capital, all that, then I don't really understand the decision to keep them on the roster. Yeah, I'm with all you guys. I think it's baffling and like you said, they're already, you know, they have, if they bring everyone back next year, these guys opt into their player options. They're looking at nearly $150 million on their books. And that's if Van Vliet and Trent don't get raises, which they're probably in line for. And listen, they'll have sign and trade options, et cetera. But I, I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of what they did. And that's not just because I want to see trades, et cetera. It just to me is, uh, Felt very surprising, and you know there were reports that maybe they think they can make a run in the East now. The Nets have been weekend. I, mm. I'm not really sure about that. Uh, let's touch on the Bulls very quickly. I, I don't want to d- dwell on this. Um, do you, what do you guys think of them kind of committing to this build for seemingly another year? Uh, you know the Lonzo Ball injury, I think, has really hurt them. We don't really talk about that enough. But anyone have any strong opinions on the Bulls? Well, they they weren't going to. They have no reason to lose, right? Because that pick goes yeah. to Orlando. So, yeah. you know, it didn't. they didn't have to tear this whole thing down. I did think there'd be a market, though, for Caruso. Like, Caruso mm-hmm. has two years left in his contract. It's very manageable money, around $18 million combined. Um, I, I thought they could probably get a first-round pick in exchange for or, him. Or, or 12 seconds. Oh, that's the new. Yeah. yeah, Either one. I just, like, yeah. you know... I, I don't know what Chicago's endgame is. Like, Lonzo Ball's got mm-hmm. one of those injuries where you start to think, like, is this career-ending? Because they don't seem to know yeah. what's wrong with him. Yep. Yeah. Like, he's he's in a weird position. You can't Mucevic, run without pain. Every, every, every Lonzo Mucevic, Ball update is like, he hasn't walked bad. up a stair. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Vucevic is doing what Vucevic does, which is play well in his contract year. So, like, this <laughs> is... Like, I, I don't know if I'd give him money this offseason. They, they, they're... They're staving off what feels like the inevitable, which is a rebuild coming to this team. And... In a market like this, where you could probably have gotten something for Caruso, I, I probably would have pulled the trigger on something like that. Yeah, it made way more sense for them to do. Like, I, I completely agree with Chris from the standpoint of, yeah, bottoming out completely might not be the move because you can't benefit from it with your own pick. Go get somebody else's picks then, because you've got several yeah. guys on this roster. I would say, certainly Levine, which was the name that started to float around. I would say with an hour or two left in the trade deadline, a lot. Um, it did never sound like they were realistically shopping DeRozan, but if they had made that known that they wanted to do that, teams would have had an interest. And then that's not even mentioning Caruso, who has a, a great value contract. Um, and other guys like Javante Green that would, you know, like guys that can help just sixth and seventh guys on a roster that could help any contending team. They've got a number of guys like that on this team. Um, and they don't have their own pick to use. They, they kind of seem like the exact sort of team that should mm-hmm. be trying to cash some of this in. Um, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And and really, I feel like there was one week during the season where everybody in mass was saying, trade your guys. Uh, they were on a losing streak. They'd lost four or five <laughs> yeah. in a row, and then they won three or four in a row. And it gave them seemingly just enough confidence to kind of stave off that conversation a little bit more. But they, they're them and the Raptors have basically been in the same spot all year. That's yeah. why it was so surprising to see them do nothing. The one distinction I'll make, though, is this. And, and I'll just say this, too. Like, as someone who obviously is not a fan of any team, no emotional investment in any team, as a, just a neutral observer, there it's the, the most frustrating thing is watching teams that that just don't 
seem to have any particular vision or at least not a vision that actually makes any sense, right? There's nothing more frustrating than watching a team that keeps trying to do the same thing and is satisfied to be on the treadmill of mediocrity, right? The Wizards are incredibly frustrating. Yeah. The Bulls are now in that category of just, I, I don't care whether you win or lose. It doesn't matter to me, but like, what are you doing? I don't, I don't get it. The Toronto Raptors, at least, here's the distinction. The Raptors have upside. Their guys are and- younger and more promising. And if Scotty Barnes makes a leap... They're in business because the rest of those guys are all pretty good um, wherever they go with it. But the Bulls, like, that team's already maxed out. Yeah. And, and DeMar DeRozan's yeah. older. And Zach Levine's flaws aren't changing anytime soon. And Vucevic, who, I didn't really like the deal for Vuce in the first place. He's not changing anytime soon. But all of those guys individually have value to someone else. Right, exactly. And, yeah, so, like, if there was ever a time to hit the plunger, this would be to do. this would be the time to do it. On the subject of the pick real quick, yeah, they owe the magic because of the Vooch trade. They do owe the magic their pick this season, this June, but it's top four protected. Now they'd have to do, they'd have to do a tremendous tanking job to end up with a top four pick. But remember the lottery odds are a little flatter and teams have been jumping from eighth or ninth or wherever to top four. There's at least a chance if you do decide to tank that maybe you keep your pick. It may end up top four and you keep it. Not a, not a bad outcome you're probably losing it anyway. So losing more games and then ending up with like the sixth pick and losing it. All right, whatever. You were going to lose the pick anyway, but losing more games right now by dismantling the roster would at least have given you a fighting chance of getting a top four pick that you then keep because of the protections. Um, This path doesn't have any upside. So that's the problem. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, we lost Chris Mannix, by the way, who had to run for the end of this podcast. Just want to let people know in case they're wondering why we've iced him out. Uh, like that was Isaiah Rohan just the, banning him. Yeah. Rohan was yeah, controlling like, the call. Like Isaiah from the 92 Dream Team. I said, it's not going to work um, <laughs> if Mannix is on the spot. We're almost done here, but I want to bring up one team who we have not talked about over the course of the 90 minutes on these two podcasts. Uh, and I'm kind of sneakily falling in love with them. The Milwaukee Bucks at Jay Crowder in one of those take every second round pick we have trades um looking on comparing their team from last year's playoffs to this one when they didn't have chris middleton they presumably will now go into the playoffs with a healthy chris middleton joe ingles who i think has had some nice moments for them looks pretty spry uh coming off his acl injury jay crowder who i think people have been so quick to say that he's not a great three and d player that i think he's i wouldn't say he's become underrated but slightly underappreciated I know people were like, he wasn't good in that for the Suns last year. I think he's still a very underrated team defender and can help them in a lot of ways. Gives them some lineup flexibility. Um, are the Suns kind of sneaky winners here? The Bucks, Bucks you, mean? you mean? The Bucks, yes. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, the Bucks. I like the Crowder move for them. I mean, I, you know, it's weird because I feel like we're always on the sliding scale of how much are second round picks, picks worth. And so to see teams dealing away five of them for a Jay Crowder or, you know, in that in that Wiseman deal as it relates to Gary Payton and everything. Um, look, if you, you're not really if you're the Bucks, you're probably not taking on the salary it takes to go use those picks anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you could use somebody like that. If you look at their team this year up and down their roster, one, Bobby Portis has been hurt. And I think they've taken a little bit of a hit from their bench because of that. But really up and down their roster, their starters have all shot like between 37 and 40% from three. 
their bench has underperformed. Everybody on their bench basically has been shooting uh, below average from three, including Portis, I think. So in light of that, going to go get a Jay Crowder who can maybe give you some production if he's even just shooting his averages from three, which have always been basically just average or slightly below. Um, he gives you a defensive presence. He, I, I, I laughed when I saw Shams, I think, say that he was like a cultural fit for this team because I immediately <laughs> thought, yeah, he, he has the same tendency to annoy opponents just like Grayson Allen does. <laughs> um, but he, he actually does seem like he fits a team like this. He is a very good kind of P.J. Tucker-ish sort of player. Not completely because P.J. Tucker will play five for you. I don't really think that's Jay Crowder's role. But I do think that he could potentially fit this team. I, I'll be honest in saying I was a little bit stunned that he went this far into the season without getting picked up yeah. by somebody. So I, I think it's a perfectly fine move for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I, fine is the word I would use, right? Like, okay, yeah, nice move. It doesn't blow me away. It's fine. Um, he hasn't played in a very long time, so we don't really know what kind of condition he's in or basketball condition he's in. Um he was not great in the playoffs last year. His three-point percentage has slipped a little. And in the playoffs last year was was bad. He shot 30% from three in the playoffs last year. He He's had two really good three-point shooting years, like one year mm-hmm. in the 38% and one year in the 39% range. Every other year has been like, yeah, 34%, which is fine. Not not He's not, not an ace, but he's yeah. fine. His defense at times has been great, and his defense at times has not been. Um, but a, you know, a, a capable, experienced um and, and, you know, guy who's got, you know, a lot of postseason experience under his belt fits in well with them. I like the feistiness there, too. I agree on that count. Didn't cost them a ton. So, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not changing the world. I'm still puzzled by the one other thing that would concern me. And this is a small, small concern because it was really a Phoenix concern. It's not a Milwaukee concern, but it does kind of somewhat concern me about the player when uh, I'm just not going to report Um it may or may not be about my contract, but it's probably not about my contract. I'm going to say on the record or leak to somebody that's not about my contract. It's really more about the fact that they're promoting Cam Johnson and now I'm not on the bench. But no, no, no I'm going to deny that too. There's nothing right. left. There is no if, <laughs> if it's not about minutes, role, or money, there's really nothing else <laughs> left. So I don't understand still, despite all the leaked reports since last summer, why Jay Crowder has not been playing for the Suns. And I don't think it necessarily speaks well of him that he has decided to stay home this whole time and that they've let him, by the way, they could be finding him if they, if they wanted to to be hard asses about it. I've never understood any part of this Jay Crowder situation in Phoenix. Uh, I'm glad that uh, national nightmare yes. is over. It is, it is truly one of the silliest sagas of our time. Uh, it, just a weird trade deadline overall, guys. Very weird. A lot of shuffling around. A lot of players going back to their old teams. Uh, I hope we get a Bucks celtics rematch in the East, but I think that will do it uh, for this episode of Open Floor. Thank you to Herring, Beck, and Mannix. Be sure to check out uh, the other trade deadline episode we did where we get into basically everything we did on this one. That'll be on the crossover feed. Maybe both will be on both feeds. I don't know, but in any event, thank you to everyone for listening. Until the next episode, continue to enjoy the NBA season. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.